Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of Fill in My Cup with or without you by me, Emma May. I am super stoked to kick off this podcast series. It's something I've been meaning to do for quite some time now. And being in quarantine, I have the motivation and the time to put into this new project. Today, I'm going to share a little bit about me and then read one of the personal essays I wrote for my honor senior seminar. Okay, so a little bit about me. Hi, my name is Emma. Bear with me as I am learning the ins and outs of this whole podcasting thing. I also don't have a microphone, so I am using my iPhone XR, which seems to be doing the job. I'll keep this brief since you'll learn a lot about me when I read my last lecture, but right now I'm quarantining alone at one of my friend's off-campus house, and this is the last week of classes at Marist. So next week are finals, and then I will pack up my dorm at Marist and drive home to southern Vermont. This, of course, is a very unconventional and bittersweet ending to my college chapter. It is devastating honestly not being able to finish my college journey alongside my best friends and my teammates there's so much that you look forward to during your spring semester of senior year a lot of festivities and kind of doing those last things but life as I have learned in my 21 years throws you in directions that you have absolutely no control over And that is when you need to adjust and go with the flow. That's something that I've gotten a lot better at throughout my four years as a college student. Just being a little more flexible and patient and believing that everything happens for a reason, because it does. I thought it would be fun to include in my podcast episodes my daily co-star, I have not been a huge fan or follower of astrology and all of the signs, but my friends Colleen and Olivia are avid fans and they got me on the co-star train. They are something to look forward to throughout the day, which is huge considering we are all home. So my co-star today told me that today you can see the truth, power in sex and love, and self, pressure in routine, spirituality, and social life. You're feeling cold today, but feelings aren't facts. Why do you take time for yourself like that? Don't be a dick. Alright, I can't say that this co-star is the most accurate one I've received recently. I certainly don't have power in sex and love right now, considering I am single and quarantining by myself. And taking time to myself is the only option, considering we are ordered to stay home right now. But co-stars, nonetheless, are a lot of fun. If you guys are interested in it, I highly recommend just downloading the app and seeing what your daily messages are. So jumping into the main portion of this podcast episode, I'm going to be reading out loud my last lecture that I wrote for my honor senior seminar. 
I am in the honors program at Marist. I joined as a sophomore when I returned from Florence, Italy, my freshman year. And the honors program has just been a way to enhance and diversify my academic experience at Marist. I've taken some really interesting courses and seminars. One of my favorite ones was two years ago, my sophomore spring. I took a bookmaking memoir class with one of my favorite professors, Dr. Graham. And I'm actually taking a Chinese philosophy class right now as an elective, which has been interesting to say the least. Um, but part of the honors program is taking this honor senior seminar. And it's a one credit class that really allows you to reflect on your college experience and kind of make a vision for what you see your life being like after graduating from college. And it's so insane to me that we are at this point where if COVID-19 wasn't a thing, we would be walking across the stage in a couple weeks. Um, that's obviously not going to happen in May. Hopefully it will happen later on this summer when the dust settles a bit. But this assignment in particular was a very open-ended essay about your college journey, what you find meaning and purpose in life, and what your aspirations are for the future. My essay ended up being seven pages long, but don't worry, it's double-spaced. I'm actually really excited to read my essay out loud because I haven't done that yet. I've just been rereading it and editing it, but I haven't actually said it out loud. And words are so different when they're spoken um, compared to reading something on a screen or in a book. My professor, Dr. Graham, gave me feedback on my first draft, and she told me this is good and gutsy writing. So this is a piece I'm super proud of. It is also some of my most personal writing. I am excited to share it with you guys and see what you think. Before I start reading, I also want to add that this week I have been able to read the last lectures of my classmates, which has been a very interesting process. Everybody has a story to tell, and these stories that we're sharing now as seniors about to graduate are especially moving and powerful and inspirational. I also love how writing is a unique way for us to express intimacy. There are about 15 students in my class and I only know one or two of them personally very well. So many of them I haven't had a lot of interactions or conversations with. But after reading their last lectures, I feel a lot closer to them and like I can relate to them more. It's really cool that everyone structured their last lecture differently and reading all of them made me much more appreciative of other people's experiences at Marist and the stories that shaped them into who they are now and what the past four years looked like for them. So without further ado, I'm going to get started on reading my last lecture. I've decided to structure my last lecture with five titles of iconic Sex in the City episodes. 
I don't necessarily idolize Carrie Bradshaw's Manolo Blahnik's gossip over cosmopolitans and cigarettes or predicaments with men. However, this timeless series has provided me with a comforting and rare sense of comic relief during the COVID-19 global pandemic. It also gives me a glimpse into the life I anticipated living shortly after graduation. Ever since mid-March, though, I've realized my dreams don't look like they used to. The cast system. I'm keeping a list of all the TV shows and movies I've watched while staying at home. Two that have been especially intellectually stimulating are The Platform and Parasite. These dark films revolve heavily around class conflict, social inequality, and societal structure. We see elements of greed, wealth disparity, and issues reflected in capitalism in both films, so drawing parallels to our current situation was not difficult. If people ate only what they needed to get by in the platform, there would be enough food for people on all the levels, right? The moment in Parasite when the rich businessman looks at the man who'd been hiding in his underground bunker for four years with other disgust before grabbing his keys? How many American citizens used to, let's face it, some still do, look at essential workers like that? Analyzing both films made me reflect on my story and background and what I foresee in terms of my future. It's assumed I was born in Chongqing, China sometime in July of 1998. Just like Mirabelle or Mei Ling in Little Fires Everywhere, I was a Chinese orphan left in a public area so someone could provide me with a life my birth parents felt like they could not at the time. On December 14, 1998, I officially became a part of the LeMay family, my life's highest honor. Although I love and adore my family deeply, my mind can't help but wander to the dangerous planet of what-ifs. What if my birth parents raised me in China? What if I turned 18 in an orphanage? What if I was working in a factory or a brothel instead of about to graduate summa cum laude from a respectable American college? These are the questions that force me to pop 10 milligrams of melatonin when my mind won't settle at night. I grew up in a standard middle-class family in southern Vermont. There was always food on the table, heat throughout winter, and enough funds for me to pursue a variety of sports and music lessons. My parents and grandparents somehow managed to finance my elementary, secondary, and higher education at private schools, courtesy of their scholarships and endowments. On the contrary, our family home is not one good housekeeping would want to feature, and family vacations involve more camping poles and hiking boots than mimosas and takeoffs. This rugged, more minimalist approach to life is one my parents have instilled in me and one I've had an easier time embracing as a young adult than I did as a teenager. Attempting to detach from brand new materialistic items is a lifelong commitment. Although, I'm perfectly aware that flexing AirPods and the Kate Spade purse Aunt Leslie gave me for my 20th birthday on the 6th train may appear contradictory based on that statement. In just a couple of weeks, I will officially be a college graduate. As an adult, I am beginning to feel more pressure to not only fulfill, but also satisfy the expectations of those who are in my cast in order to be deemed worthy enough. Ideally, I'll be able to afford my own studio to return to after a long day of work 
and a 6 a.m. yoga or spin class. I'll exhibit my own style, thrifting at second-hand stores, and creating my own wall decor. While considering a future romantic partner, should I expect them to have graduated from college too, to be an ethnic minority as well, but raised in an American household, to also be paying off student loans? It's human nature to be drawn to those of similar occupations, lifestyles, and values. I have yet to uncover the consequences of relations with others in different castes throughout emerging adulthood, and more specifically, beyond the Marist College bubble. Defining Moments Life seems to be in slow motion. We are no longer living day to day. We're living moment to moment. There are countless moments I've cherished as a Marist student. From waving goodbye to my parents in the security line of JFK the day I left for Florence, to getting into Darby's with a fake ID for the first time sophomore year, to receiving the offer letter for a copywriting internship on the way home from Ever Ready junior year, and crying in the locker room when we learned our senior lacrosse season was canceled. The most lucid moments tend to be the ones that mark a turning point in our lives, and those are the moments that foster growth through evaluating what matters to us most. Two summers ago, my parents and I hauled my mom's satellite camper to Gloucester, Massachusetts, where she was starting a new job. I remember eating lunch at a picnic table during a pit stop and my dad saying to my mom in front of me, I want to tell her now. Is that okay? He proceeded to inform me that his recent and multiple doctor visits signified something was seriously wrong with his health. It was confirmed at Dartmouth-Hitchcock shortly after. My mom called me into the patient room where Dr. B looked me in the eye and said, Emma, your dad has lymphoma, but he's a fighter and we're going to find a cure. Watching my dad battle cancer made my fear of losing a loved one that much more real. Throughout his cancer journey, I became even more appreciative of my parents' marriage. Their vow to love each other in sickness and in health unfolded in front of my eyes. My mom, a cancer survivor herself, quit her job to care for her husband day after day to keep him company at home and at the hospital. She wasn't the only one making sacrifices. With no steady income flowing in, my grandparents pitched in to keep us afloat. Immediate and distant relatives extended their willingness to assist with transportation, food, and other needs. Supporting family reached a deeper level and meaning during this difficult time in my life. I'm still amazed by my dad's positivity and the grace he demonstrated at his body's weakest point. His unwavering optimism and perseverance throughout every chemo treatment, blood transfusion, and doctor's visit are two of many characteristics I admire about him. I'll never forget being in the hospital room with him and my mom during the days leading up to Christmas last year. My mom crocheted scarves while I read Becoming, and my dad sketched us and rested. He always insisted on a daily walk on the top floor of Dartmouth-Hitchcock. Walking arm in arm at a slow and steady pace, I prayed he would be around to walk me down the aisle someday. The doctors and nurses and my dad's strength resulted in a Christmas miracle of waking up at home on Christmas morning in 2018. In my honors seminar focused on Chinese philosophy, we've discussed filial piety in great depth. It's essentially a virtue of respect for one's parents, elders, and ancestors that is relevant in Confucianism, 
Buddhism, and Taoism. Children have bonds to their parents, and that bond is of utmost priority to fulfill. Your loyalty is inherently bound to your parents and your family's name. As a former orphan, I especially feel as though it is my duty to lead an enriching life, one with which they've gifted me and prepared me for. My parents continue to show up in my life, and last year I showed up the best I could for them. I often joke about never wanting to have children, yet deep down, I know I will want to pass down the legacy my parents, grandparents, and relatives have already created to another generation of the LeMay family. All that glitters. It goes without saying that college is the time to discover who you are. Marist has provided me with a holistic college experience from studying abroad in Florence my freshman year to walking on to a Division I sports team, obtaining valuable internships, and meeting people who challenge me, make me laugh, and surf life's waves with me. The independence I've gained throughout college makes me feel that much more ready to enter what will be of the real world post-pandemic. With that said, finding my own voice and establishing myself as a professional creative are hurdles that I've already begun to encounter. It's helpful getting advice and feedback from friends, family, mentors, and professionals, but it's also important to believe in and stand behind your own voice. Doing so is one of the most intimidating yet beautiful tasks of young 20-somethings, launching their careers after 16 years of school. Friendships are an ever-changing aspect of life. It makes sense that friends come and go at this point in our lives because as individuals, we are constantly growing and transforming. As adults, we are given more autonomy. Navigating ourselves and those around us can be overwhelming, dramatic, painful at times. Humans have various needs and certain people fulfill those needs. Understanding this has helped me come to terms with being socially selective to an extent. It is okay to have friends who you can pick up where you left off no matter how much time passes and peers who know the most intimate details about you as a person and your life. It's also okay to let go of friendships that do not flow two ways. It is expected that some friendships will fade over time, but that doesn't take away from the purpose they served or their significance. I'm a firm believer that people come into your life for a reason, and we may not come across that reason until later down the road. Just say yes. This is the one point in this paper where I'm allowing myself to get carried away. Romantic relationships, dating, and hooking up have all weaseled their way into my four-year plan to some degree. College is a distinct period for young adults to explore emotionally, physically, and sexually because you're surrounded by people the same age as you. Accessibility is in your favor. Plus, you don't have the responsibility of a full-time job or the pressure to abide by your parents' rules. I can't say the bar culture at Marist is the most productive or efficient way to go about connecting with others. Nevertheless, it fosters a plausible environment for one-night stands, temporary flings, and mindless swiping on Tinder. I envy friends who scored exclusive, stable relationships in college because that's not something I was able to pull off. Contrary to popular belief, being single is a glorious state to be in as a 21-year-old. I've had the luxurious freedom to get to know a complete stranger over a quality meal and drink. 
I know what it's like to wake up next to someone whose last name you don't know. I am empowered, not ashamed, when choosing to go home with someone or tucking myself in. I've achieved a greater sense of self by making decisions regarding my love life and keeping those separate from my family. I can still be a righteous daughter while exploring what qualities I'm drawn to and what I'm looking for in a significant other. The last boy my parents met was my one, and only, boyfriend back in high school. They know the next guy I bring home to meet them will be one special guy. I'll make sure of it. Let there be light. Returning to the idea of filial piety, I have upheld my daughter duties by zooming into Sunday morning services for my Unitarian Universalist Fellowship in Southern Vermont. One member said in a recent service, I'm grateful for utilizing the essentials of life and acknowledging them as rewarding. That line resonated with me. I look forward to making a pot of coffee in the kitchen every morning. Why was I spending $5 on a latte every day? Going for a phone-free stroll outside is more invigorating than a night out. Granny wrote in her last letter, the coronavirus has been a sobering element for the entire world. Perhaps we were drunk on tight deadlines, going through the motions, and relentless hustle and bustle. COVID-19 has made us more appreciative of the little things, and that gratitude must remain within when life picks up again. There is something to be said for thriving in fast-paced and slow-paced environments. Whether we can see it or not at the moment, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Of course, I am disappointed about the cancellation of my internship in Boston this summer, not being able to compete for a MAC championship, and not celebrating my college graduation with friends and family. Sometimes you don't get what you think you deserve, and when that happens, you adjust your sales. I'm optimistic that the adversity we're facing right now and the resilience we are acquiring won't go unnoticed by future employers, coworkers, and educators. I am very excited to begin my career as a freelance content creator and unveil the many opportunities we will have when the economy bounces back. All members of the class of 2020 should know they have the tools and grit to go after whatever they want. Living in this period of limbo transports me to early mornings in Florence at La Menagere with my journal, cappuccino, and croissant. I can still hear the baristas chattering and the hissing of the espresso machine as I jotted down my thoughts. Those mornings were a way for me to consume slow time, meditate even, before a full day of classes, studying, socializing, and cooking. I relied on them for the sake of my sanity. Quarantining solo now, three years later, has made me recognize that living every day is like living my Florentine mornings. Tranquil, delicate, and sacred time to myself before a brand new adventure is about to unravel. So that is the end of my last lecture, which wraps up episode number one. Thank you again for listening. Moving forward, I would like to put out a new episode once a week. So there will be new content on a weekly basis. I'm thrilled about covering a wide variety of topics in the future. And until then, I hope you are all safe and healthy at home either by yourself or with loved ones. 
and I will talk to you all next week.